0: Today, I get the pleasure of interviewing Kim, an elementary teacher who spent the last 17 years teaching at a diverse charter school in St. Louis, 15 years of teaching third through fifth grade as a classroom teacher, and then departmentalized math teacher, and is in her second year as a math specialist. I'm so excited for you to hear Kim talk about her experiences and how those have shaped her into the math teacher that she is today. This is Honest Math Chat, and I'm Mona Eel of Mona Math. I'm a former math avoider turned math teacher cheerleader, and I'm going to get real honest with you about math classroom culture, engagement, math discussions, and all the student-centered instructional practices to help you empower your students to love and understand math deeply. So every Monday on Honest Math Chat, we're gonna work together to make our classrooms places where students see themselves as mathematicians. But let's not wait. If you're ready to engage every learner and get them pumped about math, you've gotta use Math Discussions. I welcome you to download the guide to engaging Math Discussions right now. Go to math.com/discussions. Look at all my best tips on how to guide on the side while getting every child meaningfully engaged in discussing their math thinking.: Okay, welcome to the show, Kim. We're so excited to have like in the wild real teachers and educators on the show. So tell us about yourself.
1: In the wild. In the wild is true. Um <laughs> my name is Kim. I am a teacher in St. Louis. I teach at a charter school in the city. I've been here for 17 years, 18 including I actually did my student teaching here. Um I was a, a classroom teacher in, in I taught 5th grade for 8 years third grade for two, um, and then fourth grade for five years. And I am now working as our elementary, um, interventionist. So that kind of means a lot of different things (laughs) depending on the day, but mainly I am pulling kids. I do a lot of small group. I do push in and co-teach with a lot of teachers as well. Um, I did some coaching with first year teachers last year, Um, but mainly the the reason I wanted to do this job, uh, was because teaching small group math was my favorite part of my day every day. Um, and so this gives me an opportunity to do that most of the time. So
0: that's where I'm at right now. Awesome. This is so exciting. Okay. Tell us about what your, like your current math classroom. So your small group intervention, like what does that look like and feel like?
1: Um, so it looks different obviously than it did when I was, like classroom teaching. Um, just because I am sort of more of that intervention. I'm not necessarily, sometimes I'm reteaching. Um, sometimes I'm just lots of extra practice, but it's all pulled from, we have a an online assessment diagnostic kind of program that feeds out some information to me. And then I sort of cross check that with teachers, you know, who was having a bad day and their diagnostic scores aren't what they should be or who has these other things in the mix. Um, and then from there, I kind of create a group of kids based on the grade level. Um, sometimes I focus on these are the kids who are really struggling with basic operations. These are fourth and fifth graders who are still struggling with subtraction and multiplication. And so with them, it's going to be just like really intense, like an intense reteach and then lots of practice, just giving them, all the opportunities they can. Um, sometimes it's kiddos who have the operations, have the basic skills, but maybe they've got a really hard time with word problems with what does this problem asking me to do or multi-step problems. And so then it becomes, okay, I bring those kids in and we're just kind of breaking things apart, um, and really practicing step-by-step. Step. What does this mean? The language of math, that kind of stuff. Um, it kind of depends on the group. Um, so sometimes it is reteaching from the beginning, like wipe clear what you think, you know, and let's start over. It's, it's pretty much always really hands-on. We always have manipulatives everywhere. Um, we, I have like a, my table is like a whiteboard table. So we're always, I'm always up to my eyeballs and expo markers <laughs> and eraser. um as we're like modeling things, because that's what a lot of the kids who come to see me, don't have that concept that, you know, their class is at a point where they should be procedural, but they're still stuck kind of in the concept mud of it sometimes. And so that's a lot of what we do. Um, I also work with some of the younger students who I haven't taught as a classroom teacher, um, but who are still working on like basic. So sometimes I'm supporting some of those kiddos of if you and I can really get a solid foundation right now for regrouping, for example, then I won't need to see you when you're a fourth and fifth grader because you'll have that, you know, kind of foundation. So it is always a little different, but it is always hands-on. It, it, it is always like, I don't know, it's always okay to make mistakes. That's something from like when I was a classroom teacher too, like that's kind of, I don't
0: care. Like I want okay. you to make mistakes, figure out how to help you. Um, Absolutely. Okay. So tell us a little bit about like your classroom teaching and what you've pulled from classroom teaching into the space you're in now?
1: Um, so, like I had said before, like my favorite part of my day was my small group teaching. Um, so, my sort of pre COVID normal <laughs> math um, block started with uh, a number talk. Um, we learned number talks a couple of years ago from a professor that I worked with at UMSL, and that became a huge part of my day. Um, well, not a huge part of my day, but just a huge part of our sort of structure of our, of our math block. Um, so we always started with a number talk, 10 minutes, um, you know, mini lesson on whatever, but my, I always started with, um, like I, my kids had whiteboards out. We didn't have, I didn't have like white table, whiteboard tables. Um, but so our, our markers and dry erase boards were out because I wanted them. To, it, it's not about me. It's not about me knowing how to do the math. Like I needed them to be trying all their different strategies and, figuring things out. And if you have to if we're working on a division and you have to list your multiples, like list your multiples, have have space for that. Um so always lots of hands on. That was a part of my my thing. Um but also for the kiddos who are struggling, I feel like it's important for them to know the conceptually what's going on, but to also learn efficient strategies. Um, because I I'll have kids who I can solve the problem if I'm drawing like tally marks. And it's like that's that's great. It is a strategy that it works. And I don't want to tell you that it's a wrong strategy, but I also want to show you a strategy that could be more efficient. Um, that could help you stay with your class, you know, because I see that you get frustrated when everyone moves on and you're still, you're still here. And then, you know, that you, that becomes shame and I'm, I don't know what I'm doing or whatever, but okay, so let's just learn, let's learn a different strategy. Yours, nothing's wrong with yours. There's just something more
0: efficient, I love the focus on helping students move from like what it is you understand to then being more efficient. Like, okay, you can draw out 50 tally marks, but is it more efficient if we put those in groups of 10 and just draw one line and call it a 10 and just being really strategic about asking questions and helping kids move, you know, from where you are now to being more efficient Another E word we talk about in my class is effective. Like your strategy is effective, but it's not efficient. And so we want both of those things. We need it it to
1: be right and maybe not at a speed that frustrates (laughs) you and and holds you back from getting more practice and getting
0: on to the next more intense thing. Um, Like all the mindset work is built in, right? Like we're not talking about math mindset, but everything you're describing is like building students capacity to see that like they can do this um and i just i love like i love i love hearing it i love hearing it um <laughs> tell us about your journey into being a math yeah. teacher because cool. elementary teachers i feel like me myself included don't go into teaching to teach math and so was that you no. what's your journey to become uh, a math teacher
1: actually it was a hundred percent not my journey um and it's even funny you were saying like the mindset thing because I was a horrible math student you know like I had conditioned myself that I was not going to be a quote math person um because I had actually some really poor instruction um I changed schools a lot as a kid um and at a particular school the teacher of the class was not wasn't qualified in the way that he needed to be. And about halfway through the year, they called a parent meeting and they were like, Hey, FYI, he hasn't been teaching math for most of the year because he doesn't know how to teach it. So we have to make some changes. (laughs) My mom was always like, I regretted not pulling you out of that school right then. Um, But unfortunately that sort of then set off. I did change schools the next year and everyone knew more than I knew. And everyone was more proficient with things than I was. And that did for me create a lot of just like, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. Everyone else gets it faster than I do. Everyone else gets it right. And I don't get it right. Um, and I had my strategies. I was the kid for every multiplication problem who was drawing 8 million tally marks <laughs> uh, because that was the only strategy I knew, but it wasn't efficient. Um, and I carried that with me for a long time. until like high school. Like I was always just like, I'm bad at math. And I kind of accepted that I was, um, but I did want to be a teacher. I wanted, I had some teachers along the way who had, who had shown me that education is more than just academics. Um, and I, that was what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a teacher who taught kids to think and to be better people and all of that. And that was my goal. And I was scared that I was going to have to teach math along the way. Um, <laughs> I even I wanted to be a high school teacher and I was like, but I can't teach high school math. Like, so I just, I just won't, I won't go there. <laughs> That's why. Um, but it and and so yeah. When I started teaching, I I stood up there with my textbook and it was like, problem one says you know so and so bought four thousand watermelons whatever. And I I I stood it and I read it and I was like, okay, now solve it. Ah, because I didn't have the confidence. Um, and so for me, it was working with other teachers, um, learning from other teachers who had great skills already and who who were. Um, had either been teaching longer than me or just came from a more confident background than they did. um, That started showing me like, okay, I can do this a little bit. Um, And then just really getting to know, having to really know what I was teaching. Um, When I started spending that time really having to to drill in to what I had to teach and, and how to make it good, um, how to make it effective uh, is when I was kind of like, Oh, like first of all I'm I'm like healing and relearning things that I didn't know. I remember being like if someone had taught me this in this way or this other strategy existed for how to solve this problem <laughs> like I would have been fine.
0: Oh my gosh, um, so many of these things yeah. that you are saying are my exact experience. Like yeah. I can remember the day like I first started teaching math and I was like Here's the book. Okay. <laughs> I just standing, like you said, standing up there reading the problem to these second graders and being like, solve it. I don't I don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know what to tell you to do. I just I don't know. The book says you should know how to do it now. So yeah. do it. Yes. Um, I also remember like when someone when I literally when I first started teaching like partial products multiplication, and I went, Well, I couldn't have done this. Like I would have I could have solved the problem because I was trying to do 354 eight times. On my little tally marks. Like.
0: <laughs> I feel that way too. I My mind was blown when I learned that multiplication means groups of. Like truly, I was like, wait, I've been like, I never really memorized math facts. I just always counted by the multiples until I got to the sure. answer. But it had never dawned on me that that meant groups of six or groups of eight. And so- when I was teaching third grade and I learned that I was like, like same experience of like, if someone had just told me this could have been a lot easier.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I grew up in, in the math texts that I had were those like giant books (laughs) that had 8,000 problems on a page. And it was like, do one through 40 for homework tonight. And it was like, okay. Um, There wasn't, I mean, I wasn't taught conceptually that just, I don't think it was, you know, and education, we always talk about everything that like, comes back everything is cyclical it always comes back on all the time but i wasn't taught conceptually i was everything was a procedure
0: here's a procedure and if you didn't get it sorry yes. i Thank know you. and <laughs> as i was saying i wish someone would have just ta- told me that's not really what i mean but you're absolutely right no, no. we just wanted it it just needs to be taught conceptually and we weren't taught that way 80s 90s even early 2000s that wasn't even a thing yet right oh. no, and not really- and we're doing differently. Okay, but one of the other things you just said was it wasn't until you really knew what you were teaching that you felt confident. So, yeah. can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah. So, I
1: sometime back in the early 2010s maybe, um I was presented an opportunity to work with a math professor from one of our local colleges um, who she was working. We were kind of her guinea pigs on a project she was working on. Um, And there was one or two people per grade level picked or asked to do this. And it was kind of like, it's going to be a lot of extra work. There's a stipend involved. And I was like, okay, I'll do this. Um, But we were, we were, we spent a whole school year, maybe even two school years looking at our own curriculum, our own lessons and the curriculum lessons of others and really evaluating the types of tasks, the types of things that we we're asking kids to do and what was the reasoning behind it, right? Were we telling them to solve problem four because the textbook said they were supposed to solve problem four or did problem four actually have some value? We were looking at, did we have uh, the types of questions we were asking? Were the questions open and did close and did, did all of the kids have to think about it? And even just like how we ourselves presented the questions, right? Did everyone's hand go down because they know that I'm going to pick on Tommy because his hands up, you know, kind of thing. Um, And then the evidence, what kind of evidence was appropriate and allowable is not the word, but just looking at like, what are the different ways that kids can show that they knew this? Um, And that for me became a game changer, but that really started me on the path of what kinds of questions am I asking kids and what is the purpose of them? And are they high quality? Are they just procedural? Are they conceptual? Is it just to check a, a box? So like I ask this question, um, and then what kind of evidence should be, kids be able to present to me? Like, you know, what kinds of, if they're talking to me, what kinds of things should they be saying? Or should I be looking for what kinds of strategies can they be showing me? And that was a big, a big game changer for me. Um, because it forced me to know my curriculum and how I should quality ways of presenting my curriculum in a way that I never would have spent time paying attention to. Absolutely. I mean, I, I hope, I hope that I would have eventually, but that at that point in time in my life, I was like, I don't know, like it says to answer, answer you know, ask question four, I don't know if it's good or not or why.
0: Um, right. And but- so often I think our professional development, when we have, A math curriculum that the school believes is high quality we rely so heavily on just the curriculum and we expect that what's in there is great and so much of the curriculum is great but it's about how like what you're talking about is speaking like to my math heart i'm like i hope all of you are listening to this because you're talking about not just the tasks which, you know, sifting through the curriculum, which ones are the high quality tasks in our curriculum. But you're talking about the questions you ask, how you engage students with the curriculum, because that's the part that like makes teaching exciting and hard. Yes. But that's like, that's why we're teachers. That's why robots can't do this job, right? That's why we are always getting better at our job. I always say like, leading discussions is one of the things that like fires me up most about teaching, because you can always get better at asking questions. You can always get better at listening. And those are, that's what you're talking about. And so I love it. And then the other thing that you said was evidence and thinking about how do kids, how do students show us what they know based on their evidence? And Often we think about like work, like what's on paper? How do we show our thinking on paper? But you said, what do they say? What do they, how do they use their manipulatives, right? Like love all of those things. We used to to get these like really sort of heated
1: math discussions as far as it could be in our, in my classroom, because we would, uh, we did lots of math sorts. So like when we started uh, our multiplication division unit, we would present the kids with a ton of word problems and their job was blindly read them as a group and put the ones that you think need to go together together. So, you know, for multiplication, we had the ones that were missing, missing how many were in the group. We had the ones that were the number of groups was missing. We had the comparisons, um, and they had to sort them based on where they thought they went. And and the kids would get like excited, but, like heated of like, no, that question goes with that one because it says she had four groups of this one. And, and that one can't go there because that one says groups of four or whatever we would sort, you know, quadrilaterals and shapes. And it'd be like, no, these ones go. And because they had learned, because I had learned how, how to talk to them that way, they had learned to talk about, no, I think this is right. It was right. Because, and have that solid defense. I didn't need them then to answer the question on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> you just, yeah. you just ten minutes giving me all the evidence. I need to know that, you know, what a quadrilateral is. Okay. Let's move on
0: a hundred percent. And the confidence no, no. that kids get when they can talk like that about their thinking. And so what's so exciting. Go ahead. Number talks is actually I also say
1: that's also why I love number talks because they, they, that's kind of part of where they're learning to defend. That is, is I,
0: that mental math comes from them and they hear, hearing from each other, but. Absolutely. Sorry. And anytime, no, no, no. Anytime you can bring in more talk, Into math, I feel like kids just get confident because they're like, their ideas are validated and they're like, oh, I am right at math. Like, so often you and I sitting in math class, like, I never talked in math. Like, I remember distinctly in high school avoiding
1: like talking talking.
0: and I never stopped talking, but like, I was so quiet at math because I was like, I don't want to have to share. But when you give students tasks that allow them, To say something that like they can feel confident about, they're going to more likely engage in the next problem, which might be harder.
1: And when I can give you a task that maybe you don't know 100% of it, but you can talk through 50% of it um, and then you can kind of rely from there. Like that also is huge for kids of, I think, the ability for kids to to simply reshare what someone else has shared. Like, I don't know what to say. So I'm just going to repeat what so and so said. Great. Because again, like we're going to build that confidence in, in you. And eventually you will get it, hopefully. Um, but also like, and given you a task that you do have things to contribute to 50% of it. And that's okay. And 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 then maybe tomorrow you can contribute to 60% of it. And then maybe tomorrow you can, you know, you can contribute that you don't have to have a hundred percent of the right answer for the very first time. How how do you approach it? Like what parts do you know and can you get to? and, and that you are able to contribute to. And then we just grow that. Like that just grows.
0: Yes, 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 yes. And I love that you keep talking about how like all of this happened because you had these professional experiences to grow yourself as an educator. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Professional development that wasn't how to use curriculum. Like you said, our our schools our schools invest in these curriculums that they think are high quality, and and a lot of them can be. And then we get professional development on how to just teach this curriculum. And so uh, a professional development that was not tied to a curriculum, it wasn't tied to a, a box program that somebody was trying to make money off of, but that was simply about making teachers better teachers. Um, and that's exactly what it did for me.
0: How have you seen that professional development? Yes, you just talked about it in your like gen ed classroom, but like, how is all of that playing out in the intervention classroom? You kind of talked about it at the beginning, but like anything else you want to say on that?
1: Um, I really just think for me that it, it gives me, it gives me confidence in what I'm presenting, but also allows me to kind of see, okay, of all the things we could be working on, where should we focus our attention? Um, and, and kind of the intervention part allows me to figure out from kids, Like I said, what you have 50% of what? Like, where are you struggling? Um, And then let's focus there instead of focusing really broadly on like, I don't know, you got questions four, five and six wrong. So let's work on it. But like really kind of, I'm able to to dig into, okay, you're getting it right every time until you get to this point. Mm -hmm.
0: So like, what is it about this step or this point that is throwing you off? Um, But Kim, that must mean that you have a very deep understanding of the math. And I know like as a (laughs) former math, Non math yeah. person, you now know that math. I have,
1: so- yeah, I have a friend here that I teach with who always laughs. She's like, the, she's like, you get way too excited about like math standards, and I'm like, I'm not that I'm excited, but it's, it is sort of because once I could be like, oh, just so you know, like that question that the the book is telling you to do, or that whole lesson, that isn't a fourth grade standard. So use your time wisely here rather than there. They'd be like, but it's in the book. I I, I don't care. It's mm-hmm. I if you have kids who are ready to like explore that, great. But if here's what you have time for, this lesson is a fourth grade standard and I can tell you how deep it needs to go and <laughs> yada, yada, yada. Uh, and I can tell you that they don't need this one right now. So use your time wisely. Um, and it was just, it kind of became a joke. Yeah, that I I knew all the standards, but it was because I had to, I had spent so much time with them in my eyeballs. Uh, <laughs> that I just knew
0: them. But there's yeah. so much power in knowing the standards and knowing the math, like you said, the depth to which those standards need to go. Because then as teachers, you can make those choices, right? You yeah. can say, focus here, don't focus here. You're getting tripped up here. This is what you need to move past that. So much power in that. Here's here's where you need to go. Um, okay, last question is, what is one thing you wish all teachers did in their math classrooms every day? Everywhere, everywhere around the um Okay, hey, one is hard, uh,
1: <laughs> I, but I'm going to go with manipulatives. Your kids need to have their hands on things, especially at the beginning of a new concept. Um, and then those manipulatives need to be available to them for the rest of time, uh, <laughs> for forever. Yep. Um, but your kids, and, and if you if you don't have like manipulatives, I don't know, like, let me help you try and come up with some that you can make your own. But like your kids need to be able, and, and maybe your manipulatives are like you teach your kids to draw, mm-hmm. you know, draw their face, 10 blocks or whatever, you know, but your kids need to have their hands on things. They need to be manipulating things in the truest sense of the word to see what the math is before they can ever get to that procedural. I just know how to do this. They have to have their hands. Like, that would be my number one must have.
0: Thank you so much, Kim. Where can people reach out to you if they want to pick your brain a little bit more about what you talked about today?
1: Um, yeah, so my Instagram, my my math Instagram is Math underscore PCS.
0: Yay, math underscore PCS. I love it so much. Okay, thank you so much, Kim. Right, thank you so much. It was so great talking with you. You too. that was your dose of honest math chat for today friend thanks so much for listening it would mean so much to me if you subscribed shared this podcast with your friend or leave a comment if you have not downloaded my free guide that I made in response to the questions you have all about engaging your students in math discussions go grab it monamath.com slash discussions And if you have other questions that I haven't answered, shoot me a DM on Instagram at hellomonamath. I can't wait to chat more with you next week. Remember, we're here every Monday. I'm always listening on my way to work. When do you listen? See you soon, friend.